Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Ad News Podcast, the podcast that celebrates the industry's penchant for a sociable drop and a chat. Hi, welcome to the Ad News Podcast, which is recorded at Forbes Street Studios. I'm digital editor Lindsay Bennett, and today I'm joined by the news desk, Josh, who's one of our reporters, and Pippa, the editor. Hello. 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 How are you both? Good. <laughs> That's great. Um, today we'll be talking about some of the biggest news stories this, that uh, happened this week, which includes um, the return of the former Droga CEO, Sadiq Gohill. Uh, MNC Saatchi's new production business, what's going on at Foxtel, and of course, Pilot Week. So just to start off with, uh, Droga's former CEO, Sadiq Gohil, has come back to Australia and is now at KPMG. Uh, Josh and I went around for the Droga days, but we sure know about the glory mm-hmm. <laughs> of those days. <laughs> Um, but yeah, big, big move. KPMG has made some big hires. There's been Andrew Baxter, um, Mark Hassel from Virgin. Carmen Becker is heading up um, their customer brand and marketing advisory board with Paul Howes. And they seem to have big intentions for that side of the business. They've just recently acquired an agency, uh, You Don't Know Us. And with the theme of consultancies and creative converging. Just wanted to get your thoughts on on that move of Sadiq coming back. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought, wow, big news when I heard it. I was working at Ad News when Droga closed, and I think we did a breaking news at the time, and it was huge. Traffic was kind of off the, you know, off the radar, and obviously that, you know, it generated a lot of interest being an Australian-founded agency. So obviously, Sadiq leading it at the time, I think he went into, he did something with a startup, and then there was a lot of questions, and we were kind of, you know, chasing up the intel to find out where it would go. Um, and I think he's had some interesting roles since. So now that he's coming back, I think that's very interesting, and. I guess it's a reflection of the landscape. You know, these senior creatives that are joining some of the consultancies. Um, I just found that that really interesting, and it'd be interesting to see how he fits into that role. What change? You know, how much we'll see him, how much they'll kind of put him forward, and and what exactly he'll be doing. Because as you said, they're really strengthening their their team with quite a diverse mix. You know, there was Lisa Borrow from Google mm. who joined, and I just think, uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to to see what he does. And you know, coupled with that, as you mentioned, the acquisition, uh, which is again interesting. Yeah, they've kind of been keeping a low profile, those people internally, like Andrew Baxter and a few of those new hires. So it'll be interesting to see how they go to market with these 
amazing marketers what they'll actually be doing. And Carmen Becker did speak at one of our events recently, and, and I, I think she's amazing. And she's definitely building her profile. It'll be interesting to see how they now build the profile of the actual unit. Yeah. Some of those people that haven't had the limelight for a bit. Because if you compare that to PwC and Russell Howcroft and mm. Sinisa, who everybody knows, big profiles, you know, very much continually in the limelight. Um, it's interesting to see if that will be KP, KPMG's uh, strategy. Mm. Josh, do you have any thoughts? If you're an agency leader, would you be scared? Oh, look, I, I, wouldn't, I don't know if I'd be scared. I'd definitely be uh, keeping a keen eye on everything going on. I wouldn't be uh, letting my eye off the ball. But I just think it's a lot of big names. It's, yeah, as you just said, it's a, whether or not they go out and stamp their name, you know, really push themselves out here now. They've got quite a strong team. I think this is the moment to really carve out a mm. spot and yeah, show your presence. I think it was interesting in when we did our follow-up, Lindsay, did you, you did your follow-up interview with Carmen and some of the language she used, and she said uh, with that acquisition, it was, you know, strengthening the artillery. Um, and for me, that just kind of reinforces the battle. You know, mm. it is a battleground at the moment, whether people want to say they're not affected by it or not, but, you know, the way that consultancies are changing our landscape and, you know, picking up extra bits of businesses that did, you know, sit with other agencies. And I think that, just thought that was quite an interesting choice of words. Mm. Where do you stand on it, Lindsay? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how it rolls out um, as I think the uh, easy kind of comparison is PwC and they, when I spoke to Carmen, she, I, I used the word advisory board and she didn't didn't like that phrasing because that is what PwC has. So I guess they are trying to do something different. Um, You've got Accenture and the Monkeys, you know, arguably, arguably one of the best grave agencies in Australia and I think... Um, Compared to uh, KPMG's acquisition of You Don't Know Us, a lot of kind of acronyms in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Which, to be fair, a lot of people will not know them. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people <laughs> don't know them. Um, I've actually met with them. They're great guys. I met with them, I think, in their second year. They were like, had just picked up Airtasker. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people wouldn't know that. So, I think it is, they are less high profile, but it's an, they're also gearing up in the CX mm. space, which if you ask any agency is what clients are mm. kind of chasing at the moment. Ask Lavender when they repositioned in 2015. They were ahead yeah. of the curve. I think <laughs> yeah. every week we get an announcement with a CX unit or CX specialist kind of being hired. Um, so yeah, interesting space. I think they've got some great leaders. I think Billy Bax is a, a really good leader and I've always kind of admired him. I don't know Sadiq, but I know he's a big name. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the other Virgin and Google hires, like they've definitely got the people. So mm. now they just need, I guess, the work to come out or, um, yeah, yeah the, the, the proof in the pudding, the I guess. In the pudding, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we move on to another kind of agency move. M&C this week have bought a production uh, TV and film production business, uh, which they're calling this. It's an interesting move for MNC. Uh, they have not probably had the best run in the last year. They were without their creative director for about a year. They've got Cam Blackley, who was a great hire, um, but they've also had some kind of mergers internally, and they're they're, they're trying to figure out the next move. Mm. They closed. Um, their retail agency and they merged their sports and entertainment and PR agency and now they've got this new business. I'd like to get your thoughts. Is this, you know, it's it's kind of outside the traditional advertising realm, which is exactly why they would do it. But yeah, what do I, you I think? Mean, I don't know. I, I feel like people are kind of on tentacles waiting for something from MNC Saatchi, mm. whether or not it was an acquisition, I don't know, maybe more, I don't know. I think, well, a lot of market talk, you know, people are kind of waiting for something, you know, is that work? Is that new hires? Is that maybe a bit bit 
bit of oomph. Um, and I think this is certainly interesting with this acquisition. And I think it shows that they're diversifying. They're not standing still. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's interesting, again, like what this means for production agencies or how much of a slice this, you know, how, how this changes the relationships they had with other production agencies uh, will be interesting, you know, once we maybe get a bit more detail. Mm, yeah, I think it, they're not going out there saying we're a production company for ads. They're doing like long form film content, but it's still for brands. I think they saw, said there was one in, for Corona in development. Oh, and, and it, uh, the production company is from the guys that did Bra Boys. So they're, they're quite big names. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's kind of one of those things that we'll, we'll see how that plays out for them. But MNC loves the big PR noise and the big bang and then you don't really hear about it again so i definitely will be asking them didn't some questions they have a pr this. agency called bang once was Whoa, it them? did they <laughs> that was a little uh, pun Sorry, in there without even realizing but josh what about what what do you think because obviously you deal with mnc with bohemia which was yeah. a great acquisition for them yeah so i mean it, for me it feels like whether or not this is just another feather in the bow for um a full service offering really i mean i think it really just completes something that mm. maybe a lot of agencies don't think of i mean bohemia making pretty good strides i mean particularly down in melbourne um even though they are you know they bohemia is owned by mnc sachi they still consider themselves playing in that independent market but they're very much now sort of coming together you know really offering both services to a client so i wonder you know how much of this will be included in the proposition going forward in pitches i mean i'm just interested to mm. see whether or not they really tie it into the whole offering. Mm. Yeah, and I think that full service is where production companies get cut out. And I, I a couple of years ago, did a piece about production companies um, being cut out of the the even the pitches because obviously, if MNC Saatchi has a production company, they're going to go up to their clients, "Hey, why don't you just use us? We'll we'll give you." a good deal and that production company is then kind of cut out mm. of that process. Which makes sense. It kind of seems a smart move from yeah. a business really. Mm. And like you said, Josh, an extra, you know, string to the bow. Mm. Could be a sad moment for production companies. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a theme that, you know, all the big uh, creative agencies in town are building or already have production companies. And I've interviewed um, quite a few recently that have said, you know, it's a major focus focus for us. I know publicists with prodigious um Mike Robello said it, it's a huge focus building that side of the business. So I, I don't know in a few years how production companies will go in, in that space. But Yeah, interesting. Mm. And then another thing this week, moving on to the next topic, Foxtel. Uh, I don't think there's like a week goes by that we don't kind of write about Foxtel. No, particularly at the moment. I think they've got uh, a lot to say. It's just whether or not... And a lot to do. And a lot to do, yeah. A lot of, lot of work to do. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. It's no secret they've kind of been struggling over the years uh, and they are trying to innovate now, but unfortunately they are on the back foot. Mm. Um, their recent campaign that said, you know, a Foxtel subscription is just a coffee a day kind of didn't really push the dial. Um, Josh, they launched this week a 4K kind of offering. So could you talk us through that new um, announcement from them? Yeah, so it's all about um, sort of getting that high def resolution, or I shouldn't say high def because it's not high def, it's 4K. Um, it's all about, I think, what they were trying to do is say, look, we've got something that, you know, streaming services don't offer. And when I say don't offer, I mean consistently offer. Like, you know, there are 4K offerings in Stan and Netflix, but depending on how good your internet connection is and mine's rubbish, uh, I don't get much of that offering. So to hear that as, you know, maybe Netflix or Stan would be a little bit concerning, but it's 
you know, it was a good presentation and it was, you know, Patrick's very good at, you know, um, doing a bit of good PR spin on something, you know, mm. that Fox still come but up But I guess with. it's still more than a spin because it is action. This is 4K. They're bringing it. Yeah, I mean, it, well, yeah, it's an Australian first as a channel as well. But I just think the issue there is... Uh, is it enough? Is it enough? Yeah, it's just docos, movies and sport. And that's the thing. They only recently said, well, we don't want to just be sport. But every time they put something forward... It's always sport. It's got a sport label right on the top of it. Yeah. Which is, but is that because that is their strong pillar that they know they need to kind of hang on to and push? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. You know, if they, they keep saying innovation and, you know, momentum and, you know, pushing forward and these sorts of things, I think no one's going to stop believing that Foxtel's the home sport. I don't think they're going to ever stop believing that. But I think they need to see more. You know, it's Netflix is stealing movies, Stan steals movies, mm. Stan stealing drama. I mean, Romper Stomper, other originals in Australia that, you know, I mean, yeah, they had Wentworth Foxtel, but now, you know, what's to stop Stan from making, you know, another four Logie Award winning mm. dramas? So mm. I think it's just interesting to see what they can do with 4K and also whether or not this splits out their streaming services. This mm. is the big part that yeah, they need to I look th- at. I think the street, yeah, the me- and even the messaging around the streaming service, I don't know, I found it kind of a little bit confusing. Yeah, well, I mean, I. They didn't rule out 4K going to Foxtel, Foxtel now, um, but I think what was a bit odd was that they didn't sort of mention, yeah, whether or not they're going to make this split. I think they will. Mm. I think they're going to have to st- split up streaming and, you know, streaming sport and streaming entertainment. So this was a story that was in the AFR yeah. that we kind of p- followed up uh, that said that Foxtel would launch a sport and an entertainment streaming service. Mm. It's not been announced. It will replace Foxtel now is what is being said, but it's kind of just it's just here to say right now. Um, but no, uh, we we went to Foxtel and they didn't. They just said no comment. They didn't mm. say this isn't happening at all, which kind of is mm. maybe a story in itself. Well, I mean, with Cricket Australia's new deal with them as part of the broadcast deal, they've got the digital rights. So you won't buy a digital rights package um, like you do through the NRL and Telstra. You'll buy it through Fox. So Cricket Australia have voided all their rights to the digital rights to like, you know, sell it through their platform. So you buy it now through Foxtel. Well, you will buy it through Foxtel. So, I mean, I don't see how that couldn't already be a hint that they're probably just mm-hmm. going to make it a bit easier and just split sports straight out mm. and sell it that way. Mm. And I know, going back to the parent test, which is kind of a joke we have in the office of, like, what your parents say about things. Like, my dad always says if they did that, he would just subscribe to the sport. Mm. And you hear that a lot about Foxtel. So I don't yeah. – I guess that – customers would – congratulate them for that but then their bottom line is going to suffer yeah have they is it a case of they've missed the boat you know even with the uh, the launch of foxtel now at the time it was kind of felt this was a bit late everyone was already mm. signed up to stan had been long-term netflix and they for them to say oh actually you can get foxtel now it felt a little bit late yeah i mean it's, it's never good when you google foxtel now and it comes up with you know Kakadu's, um, you know, ten hacks to watch Game of Thrones for a month and then ditch Foxtel now. Like it, it's not a, it's not a great sign. But I, I think if they do this split, like you said, parent test. I mean, if my dad could work a, a smartphone properly, I'm sure he'd probably buy the package as well. Mm. But I just, you know, I, I do see them still having a lot of original day dot customers hanging around. It's just for for how long? Because mm. there's time goes on more and more people will just jump onto those split packages if they are going to split it mm, yeah definitely they've um, got some issues to work out <laughs> a few <laughs> 
Staying on the TV theme, uh, this week was Pilot Week from 10. Uh, so Josh and I both attended that event, which was kind of a preview of the eight programs. Yeah, of the eight, um, except for obviously Rove. Oh, yeah. Rove's is live. Can you explain a bit though? maybe about what Pilot Week is if everyone doesn't? Yeah, 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 yeah cool. So, I mean, uh, I think uh, Pilot Week, to do it, you know, a quick summary, um, is pretty much eight new programs that 10 are doing um, throughout a week, starting this Saturday. And pretty much the users, or the, sorry, I should say the viewers, uh, decide what's popular through a combination of, I believe it's the ratings, it's 10 play viewership, and it's social media chatter. So it's pretty much letting viewers decide what's going to go on the uh, schedule for 2018. And I'm think they go through to 2019 as well. And that's a CBS strategy for its new owners, CBS. That's what they do in the US. No, no, no. This is more like, uh, this is actually, no, this is more of a 10 thing. Uh, CBS is, I mean, CBS do their upfronts. That's where they make all their big, their big commitment to television. Um, This is actually quite, I mean, this is the thing. Uh, I'll just dive straight on the grenade. Yesterday, Mm. I pretty much (laughs) just ran riot on what my thoughts were of the content, but I made it clear. I think the strategy's interesting it's what 10 need to be doing um it's creative Mm. uh it's you know it's different from nine and seven i I think the strategy of pilot week is interesting Mm. and we agreed on that and it's not it's different it's a week long enough though yeah by the time i've caught up i'll catch up with master of the week after maybe they they catch up maybe they count catch up figures yeah they're Um, definitely counting catch up yeah so i think i think that is it's good to see someone doing something different but where josh and i both kind of you know, disagreed with Pilot Week or weren't the biggest fans was the actual content. Mm. Uh, and Josh, I'm going to throw to you <laughs> to I mean, kind of explain you did an opinion piece. Yeah, um, so, I mean, I did an opinion piece purely on the content. Um, and look, I mean, was it a bit harsh? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I, it was how like, you felt, isn't it? It was how I felt. Like, I mean, I've been watching 10 since I was, you know, a kid. You know, The Simpsons was my, you know, staple of a six o'clock um, diet. So... A view, like a viewing diet. So I just, I, it just felt like repeats and I don't like to have to say that, but I think the content was pretty much just a mashup of stuff that they've already done before. I mean, having Carl Sanderlands be Judge Judy is for me already a red flag. I mean, I, that was actually my favorite show of the eight. So yeah. we disagree on this point. We disagree on that. I think the problem was it felt cheap and yeah, I mean, I, the budgets were low. They did say that from the start. Yeah. It just didn't feel like my I guess my strongest view on this is when Netflix and Stan have such amazing content, Unreal, Orange is the New Black, these amazing uh, high production dramas uh, that have these amazing storylines, why are all the free to wear like free to wear networks like you know I'm not going to say anything about Love Island because I love it, but I know people have problems with that show. Mm. But why are the free to air networks putting on this crap when the stuff that <laughs> actually people are watching are these amazing dramas? So yeah, I think I think we both agreed on the the content wasn't the best. No, I mean I, I certainly think sketch comedy has a place. Um, I just don't know if it's on ten. And it just feels like there's a lot, a lot of mm, it, a, yeah. lot, a lot of the same style. Very much the same style. I mean, I mean the skit, the skit show. What's it called? Uh, skit happens. Uh, I mean, you know, there were funny bits in it, and there's always going to be a few good jokes in a sketch comedy show, but it's never going to be the anchor of a of your night nightly viewing. You're never going to go, oh, geez, that sketch comedy show's on right now. I mean, I don't know. I just, I felt like they, they missed the, they missed the, uh, missed mm. the target here. And, you know, as you said, the drama stuff, and I don't want to keep banging on about Romper Stomper, it's only because I've just been watching it again. <laughs> but, like, 
there's a great you know example of how Stan has made themselves into you know a company that can you know go forward now and say look we can actually start pioneering some drama that's not about um, police or um, us trying to make drug dealers look like heroes with you know Vince Colosimo back in it for the fourth time like it, it it's about you know it, it it's about making 10 do something different and mm. i think difference not comedy i mean but it, it yes, sounds it, like it's just not got the budget to do it it's like a maybe a half half art, you know or maybe mm. they've not been given as much money to spend from their parents on pilot week <laughs> yeah i mean i give it time i think cbs will see the line in the sand and you know yeah. they'll know when to cross and really yeah. just become drama but mm. yeah I, I don't know what did you really think of the content i mean oh. like, i think i did i think i said enough on the content um you, Josh knows, he's, he's prodding me because he knows how I feel. Um, <laughs> look, I, I probably would watch the Carl Sanderland thing one time because I'm a fan of like the, the radio show and I think I, I think that show will get picked up just yeah. because of the celebrity factor of um, Kyle. Uh, everything else, uh, just not not for me. And maybe I'm not the target demo, mm. maybe. But those skit shows, I don't need to see a middle-aged white male talking about you know how his life sucks like mm. it's just not interesting to me uh it's not something that i would sign up for i think taboo is interesting yeah that was interesting so that was the show where they used um is it harley breen yeah so harley breen yeah yeah to he spends a week with um some dis- uh, people with disabilities and then he does a comedy sketch yeah he, d- he delivers them, a stand-up show to them. which sounds really horrible but it actually was really lovely. So he's doing a show to them? No, he's like making fun of them. Yeah, oh, so... That's that's just, sounds yeah. awful. I know, man. it sounds... But it's taboo, right? But then they had the um, two people with disabilities on stage and they were like, you know what, we can't even laugh at ourselves most of the time. So this is giving us a platform to like have some fun and like, you know, they were saying we make jokes about ourselves and then just everyone's like it's too awkward. I mean, I know I haven't seen that specific trend. It just when I saw Taboo on the list, I was like, "Oh, that's the Tom Hardy thing from BBC." And I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> it's, it's, it's adapted not. from a Belgium yeah. show of the same name, and it was like amazingly like received." Right. Like, yeah. and I think you know, hats off to Harley Breen too. Like, you know, that would be a hard job to do. Yeah. But I wouldn't sign up. For I wouldn't it. sign up for it. But I really think that's that's an example of what Ten could be doing differently, though. That you mm. know, taking something that's a little bit dangerous, mm. like. That Sam Dastieri show, like, (laughs) I I don't think any politician who's done what he's done really deserves it. Not a second Mm. chance. I won't say a second chance, but definitely not a second chance. Just just not their own TV show. Yeah, not your own TV, where you get to criticise other people's scandals. I just don't, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that about sums up our feelings of Pilot Week. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ten. Sorry, Ten. No, well, you know, and we're still going to watch him. You yeah, know. we're still going to watch. We're still going to watch. We could be wrong. We could come back in a couple of weeks and eat our words. But this is just our thoughts, and we'll let the Australian public decide. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I definitely feel if they go over fifty percent, I'll get some emails going. Ha, ha. <laughs> you were wrong. <laughs> it's your opinion. You're not wrong. No, that's right. <laughs> Look, that's all from us at the news desk. Um, now I'll be speaking with VML, MD, and ECD, Aidan Hepburn. Thanks, guys. No Thanks. Thanks, Liz. Bye. I'm back, and now I'm joined by VML, MD, and ECD, Aidan Hepburn. Thanks for having me. How are you? Very good, thank you. 
wonderful, after, uh, wonderful afternoon here. Yeah, I know. At our Forbes Street Studios, we can look out on the beautiful William Street. <laughs> Traffic jams, in case anyone's coming through right now. Yeah, it's quite a sight. Um, but today, Aidan's joining me to talk kind of about uh, the creative realm. Um, I cover creative agencies at Ad News, and of course, Aidan run one, runs one. So, we're going to talk about some things that have been in the news, as well as VML's own kind of digital transformation and uh, Aiden's time in the role, which is coming up to six, seven years. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Now? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, six and a half, seven, yeah. That That's long for uh, agency kind of tenure. Yeah, I think so. I think leadership typically, you know, sticks around a lot longer, but yeah, from yeah. the very, very beginning, early 2012. Yeah, you really have kind of seen it, seen it grow and rise. Yeah, I think, yeah, we started out with sort of eight or nine people, and I think we just ticked over 110 or 112 people the other day. I thought we were 100, and um, we did the HR calculations in the system as we did everyone's reviews the other day and it's yeah 112 people so it's been yeah it's been fast and furious wow that's massive is it is it daunting i guess to see something grow that quickly look i it's been kind of sustained growth i think you know in the first couple of years we you know you'd go from eight people to 25 and you know doubled the agency kind of you know within a within a quarter and that was kind of crazy but um i don't know i think it's just a perpetual you know um kind of incline at the moment not too sharp um, to kind of notice that, oh, my God, how do we handle this? Um, mm. But constant that you're getting kind of fresh faces and fresh blood and, and new types of skill sets and, and kind of capabilities coming in uh, on and off, you know, whether we're scaling up from a contractor perspective or bringing on, you know, more full-time hires. So it's um, it's actually quite manageable. Mm. Yeah, I guess you don't want to crash and burn like Droga, which segues into my question. <laughs> um, Ooh, look, smells a burn. I know. <laughs> Well, you know, I wasn't around for the glory days of Droga, but I think their crash and burn is one that is brought up, you know, every week to me in in various conversations. And I'm bringing it up because we are going to talk about um, Sadeep Gohill coming back to Australia and joining KPMG. Um, I'd love to get your kind of thoughts on that. Obviously, KPMG has been building up this kind of marketing advisory board, um, which it calls its customer brand and marketing advisory. Um, It's got Andrew Baxter there, who was like, for a publicist, Mark Hassel, who was um, one of the top Virgin marketers and ex-Google uh, marketer. Um, you know, uh, it's a pretty big force they're, they're building at the moment. What's your kind of view on that? Yeah, some big names. Yeah, mm. and interesting to see him come back and, and kind of land there. You know, it's, you know, it'd be interesting to see 
how that move plays out, um, and amongst a you know a pretty top tier crowd there. So, look, I think it's the it's the growing trend around consultancies. They're kind of paying top dollar, bringing top brass to beef up their you know marketing advisory services um, to sort of you know see what they can chip out of the market. So you know, I there is no baked out case study for their formula right now. I don't mm. think anyone's cracked it, but everyone's having a play. So I think it's going to be really really interesting to sort of watch and learn and sort of see what they, they do over the next sort of 6, 12, 18 months. Mm. You know, is it a, you know, everyone talks about the challenges around culture and creativity and attracting the right talent. Uh, then others would argue, well, I've got money to buy all that talent, uh, but is it the right environment for them to work in? Um, you know, are, are they buying agencies? Are they merging them in? Or are they just getting, you know, are they buying talent capability? Um, I don't think there's a, a blueprint for how that's going to work for those guys yet. Um, are clients looking to consultancies to deliver that kind of service for them? I'm not sure. Um, I'm, I bet there's a ton of interest, and that's probably why they're getting the big names in to um, try and open those doors. So, mm. you know, I'm eagerly awaiting to kind of see what happens and, and so, sort of see what shakes out. Mm. I, you know, part of me has a theory that it will hopefully drag the value of the whole industry back up. I think for the last sort of, you know, three to five, you know, maybe longer years, you've sort of seen um, procurement. And the challenges of of the current economy, sort of squishing rates and putting on cost pressure across the board in the industry, and the consultancies don't really play in that game. Yeah. Um, you know, they they hold themselves to a higher account. They you know are obviously far better at charging out you know exorbitant fees and, and things like that. Um, and they they hold their value. So, you know, I'm of the opinion. I think it's a great thing that the consultancies are coming in and playing that game. And everyone has something different to offer. Um, and hopefully what they'll do is actually raise the value of, you know, um, marketing and consultancy services across the board for agencies like us as well. Mm. How closely do you watch like the announcements and moves in, in that space? Like, are you reading up on it weekly or you're not kind of watching yeah, too closely? Not, not, you know, not particularly fussed at the moment. It's always mm-hmm. interesting to see who's moving where and, and kind of what's going on. You get a bit of a, I guess, a you know, a distant outlook as to what chess pieces they may be playing. But I don't think, you know, looking at the competition is the way forward. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think agencies like VML, we've got our remit, we've got our focus, we've got our blueprint around how we do business and, and kind of where we want to go as an agency, um, as a group. Um, and we're kind of just focused on that, really. Mm. What about when they're making spaces, uh, sorry, moves in the spaces that you kind of play in? They recently bought uh, You Don't Know Us, which for those of you don't that don't know, is kind of a smaller CX specialist agency, um, but it does do like creative work. It has Airtasker as one of their clients. Um, what did you think of that move? Look, it makes sense. You know, if you're going to play in that game, you're going to buy something little to attract some key talent, mm. hopefully have a couple of key clients to use as your, your base level case study and, and hopefully have some, some core talent under that kind of leadership group. Um, you know, I know one or two of the guys there and, you know, pump for them to kind of get acquired and and it'd be really interesting to see you know the type of ideation that those sorts of guys do can they really change kpmg can they add the value that they would on their own i think that's going to be really interesting to see and with people like sadeep coming in are they going to join forces there are they completely separate business units like how's that all going to work Mm. so i think it's um you know looking forward to seeing what plays out and in terms of the models that are out there you've got kpmg that's bought uh, and pwc that have both built kind of boards and then PwC has a stake in Thinkabell. Now KPMG has bought You Don't Know Us and then you've got Accenture 
with the monkeys and then Deloitte, who have taken like most of McCann. Any of those models, you're like, okay, you know what? That's the, the front runner. Um, I think it's too early to tell. Mm. You know, no one's a standout right now. I think, you know, agencies like the monkeys were famous before and they'll be famous afterwards. Um, you know, I think um, the new acquisition from KPNG, you know, they're, they're a little hot shop. So it'll be really interesting to kind of see do they scale across the country or across the region or do they bulk up with some really big corporate clients or are they going to be used as a little innovation arm on the side? So, um, you know, I haven't, I can't really see what the big moves are and, and is the model correct mm. yet. But, you know, we'll, I think we'll see in the next sort of 12 to 24 months as to whether these things become, you know, huge successes or kind of massive failures. Are you seeing many of your creatives or creatives you know in the industry kind of being lured over to the consultancy side? Because right now we're kind of seeing the high profile hires, but I'm interested if they're like building, you know, actual teams. Kind of big creative teams, yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Mm. Um, I'm sure at some stage it'll happen. I suspect they're, you know, more focused around kind of transformation in a way or brand transformation. So it might be more on the strategy and kind of innovation front right now, but obviously the buying creative agencies as well. So I haven't seen the big, you know, here's this creative team hired from, you know, a big name agency specifically into a consultancy yet, mm. um, or are they just acquiring people piece by piece? Um, you know, similar to what kind of, you know, Google and Facebook probably did two or three years ago. Mm. So they're not stealing your staff just yet? Not yet, no. <laughs> not keeping up at night Back just off. yet? Back off. <laughs> um, and uh, your your role is a combo of MD and ECD, which I don't think I've ever seen once, apart from yourself. Never, surely. No. Can you explain how you manage both those roles and I guess how that came about? Yeah, sure. Look, I, I came from a you know creative background originally as a as a digital guy, you know, focused on kind of design and innovation, creativity, um, and kind of as the business scale just took on you know a, a larger role even before I started VML and was you know head of digital at IdeaWorks and YNR before that and but always from a you know a creative background and never really wanted to lose that part of my role and and kind of what makes me who I am um I think is then you know as we launched female there's sort of only you know seven or eight or nine of us at, at the very very start and you know uh probably never could have afforded a you know a huge CD or ECD or anything like that there and mm. so we sort of just built it organically and on the fly and that sort of stuff has just naturally kind of rolled under me and, and you know, been pretty successful, you know, and I think we're ranked in um, campaign briefs, you know, top 10 hottest agencies and things like that. So it's been working pretty well so far. It's not to say that it may not change, you know, in, in the future as we continue to scale and, you know, um, mm. across, you know, Melbourne and New Zealand and things like that. Um, and as time sort of, you know, shifts. Um, so I wouldn't rule that out, but I wouldn't rule it in either at the same mm. time. So. You wouldn't rule out maybe bringing in like an ECD to, yeah. to kind of help you in that Yeah, role. absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Well, you w- you wouldn't give up the MD title? Stick to the to ECD? Know. Good question. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll have to make a call which at some t- stage. Which takes up more of your job? I think it depends on what's going through the agency at the time. So mm. sometimes it can be more on the people front and the client front if we're, you know, in you know, deeper strategic planning or account planning for the year or... You know, we're hiring lots of new people, whatever that might be, or maybe we're deep into kind of 2019 conceptual territory and, you know, all of the next year's briefs are starting to come in or big transformation projects kicking off. So, you know, I think what I love about it is being able to shift my focus from, you know, purely about the business to something, you know, more innovative and creative and be able to kind of mix the two. And I think what's been really successful for us is being able to have, you know, someone like myself in a role that can play business lead and a creative lead at the same time and I think a lot of clients have you know have quite enjoyed 
having that kind of leader in the room, but it also plays well in terms of our agency ecosystem and the other kind of key leaders we have in the business. It kind of fits nicely and, and kind of slots into kind of how we do business. And, mm. you know, VML is not your typical creative agency. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's not, uh, you know, a traditional sort of model where the ECD and, and, and D type roles are completely separated and, mm. you know, they have their own big vertical remits. Um, that's just not how we've built the business or played it out, but that's not to say it you know, won't change in the future as we get bigger and bigger. Mm. Do you think that's the way that agencies need to operate? Like to let more, uh, I guess, ideas bleed between leadership and the creative kind of guys? Yeah, look, I think so. I think, you know, we're in the business of creativity and Mm. I think that's what clients buy at the end of the day. You know, they love great thinking. They love great accounts people. They love, you know, amazing social and, you know, and transformation and UX and design and everything that comes with it. But at the end of the day, like the output is creative and that's kind of what they buy. And I think the industry as a whole probably needs more focus on the actual creative output. Mm. I think that's something that's played really nicely for VML is kind of having that at the core of the DNA of, of our management team as well. Mm. Um, you know, I think if you look at some of the best agencies around the world, whether that's Droger in New York, you know, okay, he's CEO, but of course he's basically the CCO at the same time and always kind of had been um, until very, very recently. So... Um, you know, same with, you know, people like, um, you know, Wyden Kennedy, um, mm. you know, RGA, et cetera. They've always had big creative chiefs at the helm from, from what I've seen. So I think it's a, it's a really interesting model. I think it helps breed better innovation into the very core of the business. So you don't often then have, you know, maybe the business side and the creative side fighting to, you know, invest in ideas or, or push a certain agenda through the business. We can kind of... Um, manage it on the fly as we see best what's right for the right client at the right time and the right people around it. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting you say that those kind of creative names are the ones that you remember and look up to as um, as leaders. At Cannes, um, uh, Sir John Hegarty on stage said Martin Sorrell will kind of leave no legacy because he didn't have any creative credentials, which I thought was pretty harsh. I don't think anyone's ignoring Sorrell's uh, legacy, but he was explaining that it's like the Bill Burnbacks and the David Ogilvies that are like the true names on the door. I just thought that was a really interesting concept. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, like the core of our entire industry comes back to that that creativity and those you know those key creative people. So, you know, I see it as a as a huge plus. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think the best agencies around the world have that key person or that key leader or that, you know, group of key people come from a highly creative background. Mm. And you said that you've kind of obviously grown the agency a lot in six years, um, but how else has the agency evolved? Yeah, I think it's evolved from a, from a capability perspective, from an output perspective. You know, I think, um, you know, when we started, you know, Facebook apps were the big thing mm. and we were making the most amazing Facebook apps you've ever seen. Um, Where are they now? I, they're dead. <laughs> Facebook killed them off. Um, maybe rightly so. Um, or maybe they're still there. They're just iframed in now. It's kind of the same thing. Mm. Um, and I, so I think we started, you know, with, with lots of digital campaign work. And, of course, banners were huge then and they probably still are now, but I don't even think we make banners anymore. Mm. Um, I think that's a great thing for us, but some people, you know, there's still demand for them out there somewhere. Um, yes, yeah, so I think we've gone from kind of lots of cool little digital campaign pieces and social pieces originally to, you know, much bigger brand pieces and transformation pieces and end-to-end kind of, um, you know, kind of experience work. You know, I think for us, um, you know, we look at our offering kind of in three key pieces. There's the kind of creative and strategy offering that the VML offers to market. Um, We then have our kind of digital transformation, um, digital experience piece, which is around, you know, whether that's rebuilding, 
and redesigning the whole experience for a combank.com or you know taking that through to an end-to-end experience for someone like McDonald's um, from from a monopoly app through to an in-restaurant menu board or doing you know product and service design for for people like Pfizer and Ripcoll. Um, so it's kind of three kind of core components and what I love about it is they're not they're not different specific disciplines or departments they're kind of groups and collections of really great minds that deliver each of those services and those functions within the agency and then we can cross-pollinate a lot of that thinking across a a more marketing and campaign based client as we can from a product or a service design client as well and I think we have a really unique and interesting um, capability set to mix some of those really amazing minds across the type of work that you wouldn't normally the type of um, you know type of work the type of briefs that you wouldn't normally have those skill sets on and just creates really different and new and interesting sort of outputs. Mm. How hard is it to approach uh, your own digital transformation or evolution as an agency when you have to do it for your clients every day? Yeah, look, I think they're different things. I think, you know, when you're doing it for your clients, you've got a specific mission and, and kind of business challenge that you're trying to overcome and solve for them. And then you apply your capability against it. And that's, you know, I think we have a really great process and methodology around how we go about doing that. From our own perspective, it's trying to be ahead of the curve and looking at where we're experimenting, where we're testing things outside of those kind of core clients to make sure that um, we're evolving our own capability and building what's next or at least testing what's next to see what legs that has for our clients so that our clients aren't guinea pigs. We're already kind of testing that ourselves to kind of see where that will go. And I think, you know, a great part of being, you know, female is our, our amazing kind of global network. And we can also look to the other markets who, you know, maybe ahead of us or behind us in different ways, shapes or forms. And we can kind of help each other look and experiment and sort of see where trends are coming and where we might invest in new capability. Mm. Is there any kind of trends or capabilities you're looking at at the moment? Look, um, you know, AI is a big thing. Everyone's talking about AI. Mm. It's, you know, I think for the industry at the moment, it's more machine learning than AI, than yeah. true AI. I think that's kind of an overblown word at the moment. Um, you know, machine learning is a big thing for us. I think we've got a lot of experience going with, you know, a couple of really great projects with clients kind of in play. That's something we're seeing trending around the world in our network, um, and I think we'll see it trend in the industry for the next sort of sort of three to five years at least. I think, um, and there's a mix of using off-the-shelf um, tools and platforms and and kind of engines, and then building bespoke algorithms in them to really get the best of clients' data. And then there's the bespoke specific pieces that you can build from scratch as well, which I think may be relevant right now, but will probably die out in the long run. Mm. And I guess something that we're seeing uh, globally from both WPP, which owns VML, and Publicis is um, the horizontality, which we think is banned now, that word, but um, the that bespoke units for clients, um, Publicis calls its power of one. Uh, Bank West recently did that model here in Australia and VML was kind of listed as one of the agencies working on it. Um, but how is horizontality kind of working within VML at the moment? Yeah, look, I think horizontality in totality is, you know, whether the word's banned or not now, I can't remember <laughs> what the official line is, but um, I, I think the methodology is still sound and I think it's that, you know, bringing together a collection of the very best minds and capabilities um, to solve a client or a business problem, whether that comes with the agency name or the talent just comes across. I think there's different ways you can cut horizontality and how you can apply that as a bespoke model for clients. And I think that's, you know, obviously started and, and created by Sir Martin, but obviously very quickly and widely adopted by all of the other holding companies because it, it just makes sense. Mm. Um, and I think different clients like to buy it in different ways. Um, 
for us at VML, I think it, it works you know, it works really, really well. You know, we don't have you know, hundreds of these things happening, but we have, a, we have a handful where we play a great leadership role or a support role to that kind of model, um, depending on what that client requires. Mm. They're sort of reserved for the, the bigger end of town clients, right? Like you, you wouldn't really be doing it if you're, you're a startup. It's just too complicated or Yeah, too look, I, I think you know, once you get to a certain size, it, it can make a lot of sense where mm. you're big enough and, and ugly enough to have the money to spend, but also really demand that next level of thinking across the board. Um, and it's a, it's a model where you want to be able to pick the very best pieces, but you know, um, some clients are really good at managing multiple agencies and, and others want to simplify it. So I think it just depends on the type of people um, who are making those decisions and what they're really trying to get. And I think there's you know, huge pros and cons for all of it. Mm. How do you make sure it doesn't become too complicated? Like, Have you been in, involved, in, I guess, in the process at all and well, had I, to see how it works? I think it, it runs like any account anywhere. It has mm. a key core leader who directs the shots. So okay. um, I think it's just about getting the right brains and, and probably the right egos around it so that people are there to be on the team and, and play on the team. And that's how I've seen it work absolutely amazingly. Um, mm. And I think that's the core to it. It's people who want to team up, people who really want to come together to create amazing work and, and deliver brilliant results for clients um, you know, versus just trying to you know, do things for themselves. Mm. So AI, bespoke units, is there anything else that we need to discuss or is it put on the horizon of people listening? Oh, look, you know, I think things that, that agencies are probably getting into right now is just those new revenue models. You know, mm-hmm. head hours are, you know, need to, I think, you know, phase out over time. Um, it just doesn't make as much sense anymore. We're in the business of creating value and return for, for clients. Um, and the more mutually beneficial and mutually valuable that becomes between the agency and the client, the better the results, the better the return, hopefully the more money everyone can make. So I think those new revenue models is what the industry probably needs to explore more mm. and, and put more focused in kind of joint remuneration um, and um, you know ways to kind of combine the business into into true partnerships to really just forge ahead and not worry about head hours and rates and, and things like that. What are some models that, that you've like tested and that have worked? Yeah, look, there's there's revenue upside and and yeah. downside. You know, kind of you know, um, you know, putting some revenue or profit at risk for you know a potentially increased return if you hit the client goals. And I think those are um, really interesting options and and really good ones to explore. I think you need to make sure, obviously, the um, the rules are in place or the guardrails. Rules is probably the wrong word to make sure that it's fair and equitable on both sides and everyone can hold each other to account so that. Um, you know, everyone has the best possible chance of actually achieving those goals and, and exceeding them so everyone can get the right return, both on the client and the agency side. Um, so I think that's something that's definitely worth exploring. I think there's the the co-invested sort of co-ownership model, mm. I think, Seeing is, that is really interesting. Um, you know, if a, if a client has a new, you know, a new business spinoff or a new product spinoff, how do you share in the profits of that? Um, how do you, are you putting, you know, uh, head hours at risk or FTs at risk um, or co-investing them up front to get a share of the profit and the upside when that product hits the market and starts to scale and starts delivering really well. Um, I think that's where the industry is going to go over time. And I think there's different agencies experimenting, experimenting with that now. And I think that will probably become the model of the future. Mm, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely a big topic. I feel like I've been talking and hearing about it for three years, but I haven't seen much change. So hopefully it's to come. Yeah, I think from 
from the people I speak to around town and, and even ourselves, I think it's all in the beginnings of where it's going to go. I think people are starting to shape these deals and, and experiment with them um, ongoing and they're trying to work out what's the right way to lock in. So, I, you know, I'd say in the next couple of years we'll see those models start to become case studies. Mm, yeah, definitely. Watch this space. Yeah. Look, that's all we have time for today. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me pleasure. You've been listening to the Ad News Podcast, recorded at Forbes Street Studios. Thanks for listening. Bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And... Don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.